I'm nervous today, but I'm nervous. So anyways, uh, today we are going to do our ninth parable that we're taking on, and it's called the, per- the um, Pearl of Great Price. This is my pearl today. It's not a pearl. It is a light fixture that came with our house, but it's going to be a symbol of a symbol. Here we go. Would y'all stand to your feet with me for the reading of God's word? Jesus often spoke in parables. Uh, There were mysteries so that he can try to explain what the kingdom of God is like to give a greater perspective of what is unseen to us. And uh, he would say this in Matthew chapter 13, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. And when he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. Let's pray. Jesus, help. Amen. Y'all can have a seat. Pearl of great price. I, I don't know about you, but this statement is, um, is very accurate. I said it, I wrote it down, and I looked at it again and again, and I feel like this is something that comes out of me when I think about Jesus. But I can say with all of my heart that my decision to follow Jesus has been by far the greatest decision of my life. My decision to follow Jesus has been by far the greatest decision of my life. My decision to follow Jesus has been by far the greatest decision in my life. God is good when everything else is not good in my life. He is uh, hope for tomorrow, regardless of how dark things are today. He has been good when I am not, or the world around me is not, or things seem unfair. The Lord has just constantly been good to me. I remember when I made the decision to make Jesus the Lord of my life, um, I was 18 years old. I was selling drugs at the time, and I was making, I think, like $18, or uh, I'm sorry, I was 18. I think I was making, in some days, like $400 an hour, right? And uh, I thought I was big stacks, and I was going on to do great things, and uh, my life was broken. And I remember how hard it was for me to recognize how many things were out of order in my life and all the things that I wanted to hang on when Christ called me to serve him. Now, that was my story. But in all of our lives, there are things that Christ is going to call us to let go of in order to lay hold of what is good. In this story, Jesus is trying to set an example to his people of the way that you really go after God. Jesus is not a... The, the, one of the problems that I see in America is the model of Christianity is just add Jesus to your life. And this is really why it's not working for a lot of people because the gospel really is sell everything, cling to what matters most. And so storms can be terrifying because we're really trying to protect everything that we value when really... It's all, you, you brought it with you today. What is God asking you to let go of today so that you might receive the pearl of great price? Well, in uh, Luke chapter 14, Jesus would tell a story uh, where he would explain the cost to following him. Now, Billy Graham, who is probably one of the greatest men of God that's lived in America, that's been a preacher, um, said that salvation is free, but discipleship will cost you. Salvation is free, but discipleship will cost you everything. That is important for us to understand because the model of following Jesus isn't to just believe. What God is asking of you is that you would follow him. 
Now, in the New Testament times, this is, the, this is the, the idea of discipleship, that we would all be disciples. The Great Commission is not to go and make Christians, it's to go and make disciples. And so my hope as a pastor is that I become a disciple, and I teach you all how to become disciples. Students, and at the same time, teachers. So I pray this is happening in your life, that you're both a student and a teacher, So as Jesus is teaching people what it's like to become a disciple, this is what he would say. Now, I think that when you see someone that's radical for Jesus, to an outsider, it looks like an extremist. The problem is, that's the model. That's relationship, is all in. The only things that matter in your life require you to be all in. The problem is we only want to do everything just a little. The most important thing happening in my life is my faith. And I hope you're all in. Listen to this, Luke 14. I read this at least once a week. It reminds me of what Jesus is calling me to do. I hope that you can hear what Jesus is saying today. This is going to be extreme. A large crowd was following Jesus. And he turned around and said to them, If you want to be my disciple, you must hate everyone else by comparison. Your father, your mother, your wife, your children, your brother, your sisters. Yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. You cannot be my disciple if you don't do this. This is brutal and this is difficult. This is the first thing that he said. The second thing he said, then you must even uh, do not, uh, and if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. Then he tells two stories. And he says, but don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin the construction of building without first calculating the cost to see if there was enough money to finish it? Otherwise, uh, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money. And then everyone would just laugh at you. Would, would, they would say, there's a person who started that building but couldn't afford to finish it. Or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the army of 20,000 marching against him? And if he can't, he will send a delegation to discuss terms of peace while the enemy is still far away. Listen to this. So you cannot be my disciple without giving up everything you own. Everything. I always read this verse and I think it's funny because as I talk to believers, many people struggle with the idea of giving 10% of your finances. Let me just make sure that I'm clear. We are a church that believes in giving 10%, kind of. But the gospel says, I'm not asking you for 10%. I'm asking you for 100% of your finances, of your affection, of your life. And so we surrender our lives to Jesus. And this is the pearl of great price. And so as we started off by saying this, like it has been the greatest decision in my life to follow Jesus. I think many of us say that, but then the fruit in our life doesn't align with that actually feeling like this is the greatest decision of my life. So I want to lean into that for a little bit as as we get into the sermon What does it look like to give up everything you own to follow Jesus? Cool. I have um, some friends that are unbelievers and uh, one friend that I just love and I pray for him. um, I want to say every day. Uh, We don't even see each other a lot, but he's an atheist and um, he has a lot of problems with, uh, with, with the church. And with God, he doesn't believe that God exists. So a lot of the things about Christianity he believes is just nonsensical and it doesn't matter. Uh, But most of the reason why he doesn't believe in the church or God is because he's met a lot of Christians. Anyone else ever met a person like this? Uh, Where they did a really poor job modeling what their faith actually is. So they tell people they're believers but their life looks really, really different. And so 
I think about this and, uh, and, and I want to make sure that in your life, you haven't bought fool's gold. I think of like Ponce de Leon. Did I say it, Matt Bullock? De, de, de Leon. De, de, I don't know how to. I'm, de, you got, you got to, Matt, so you got to put your fingers out when you say it. And then this helps the French come out. Um, that Cajun uh, French uh, thingamajigger there. Uh, how I, I think about how he, he was looking for the fountain of youth and he traveled to, to Florida in 1513 uh, looking for the fountain of youth. It's funny that everyone that's old is still traveling to Florida to somehow <laughs> hang on to the last periods of their life, right? Um, uh, but it, it, it was fool's gold and it was an empty scenario. I think of people, though, that, um, that, that look at the percentages of how many people purchased a winning lottery ticket and threw it away. And I think of how many Christians are trying to add Christ to their life and deceiving themselves that they're on the right track when none of the fruit, power, or benefits are actually at work in them and they're wondering what's wrong. You, I don't know how to explain this any better. So let me make sure that we say this right. I don't know if I said this in this service. This is not a crystal ball. Um, this is just an example of something that is valuable. Okay, he is, this is Jesus today um, as an example, not literal. There are people that get upset with me because of these things. So for y'all religious folks, lay off. Um, I know that there are some that what's happening is rather than us selling everything to purchase the pearl, unintentionally we're selling the pearl to purchase small treasures that give you anxiety, worry, because you can't manage, handle, or keep them. And we're spending our time and our energy on resources that you actually don't want as much as you want your faith in God to grow. And we have to learn how to live a life of surrender to put first things first. Now, like Ponce de Leon would be chasing the fountain of youth, so we should be chasing Christ. I think of this verse today in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 that says, Therefore we do not lose heart, because many of us do, though outwardly we are wasting away, inwardly we're being renewed day by day. That's critical for us as a believer. I am recognizing that our bodies are aging. We are dying. Whether or not you realize it, you're one step closer to meeting Jesus today than you were yesterday. But inwardly, we are supposed to be being renewed. I pray that you feel alive because of the encounters, because you are aware that you possess the pearl of great price and he lives within you. Now, I stumbled across this passage this week that I wanted to share with you guys out of 1 Peter chapter 3. And um, I, I get thinking about how sometimes as believers, we're trying so hard to be beautiful that we're misunderstanding what beauty is. So I, I just want to take a minute and plug my wife, who y'all have heard me say before, is the most beautiful woman in every room that she walks in. She really gets annoyed when I say this. But I don't get tired of saying it because it is, you are the apple of my eye. And uh, I do love you. But while I am extremely attracted to you, I do want you to know and I want them to know that I think that what makes you beautiful is not how cool you are. But the fact that at five o'clock in the morning, you'll wake yourself up to go downstairs and sit at a table and open that book and listen to that guy that you put on Audible as he reads to you uh, the, the Bible. And then you read the, the Greek and the Hebrew verses and the stuff that you're going through. And then you listen to a sermon and your heart breaks for the Lord. It's the inward cleansing that is enriching you. And you're going to have to give up things in your life to make those moments a big deal. I'm going somewhere. If we're not careful, we will miss those moments that actually make you inwardly being renewed 
and then we'll have to adore ourselves with more Botox or more plastic surgery or better clothes or more money in pursuit of trying to feel like we're there. But when I watch her encounter God, I know what the day is going to look like because I, I'm watching her literally meet with Jesus and he's taking the weight of the world off of her. I love the advantage of being married to someone who loves God because whenever she meets with Jesus, she, he tells her that I'm right. Now y'all laugh, but he, the Lord does this. Uh, and I know this because he also does it to me. Because he's always trying to move us closer to him by moving us closer to, to, to you know, does this make sense? And so I'm going to show you this passage in 1 Peter chapter 3. And it makes me nervous. I'm going to read it from verse 3. He said, don't be concerned about the outward beauty of fancy hairstyles and expensive jewelry or beautiful clothes. But you should clothe yourselves instead with the beauty that comes from within and the unfading beauty and the gentle and quiet spirit which is so precious to God. This is how holy women of old made themselves beautiful. They trusted God and accepted the authority of their husbands. I have to stop there. You're like, whoa, whoa where did that come from? This passage is actually about learning to submit to one another. It's actually telling and encouraging women to submit to their husbands. Now, some of y'all want a godly husband. Honor that dude. Tell him that he's good, even though he's a dog with fleas. Honor him, because the more you beat him up, the less he's going to try. You don't want him to wear the, 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 the names that, that is being said to him. I say that to say, this passage says that unbelievers will look at women who submit to their husbands and understand that, the, that God is good. Mainly just because they've met your husband and they're surprised that you can do what you're doing. I'm, that's a joke, see. I sneak them in there sometimes, you know. But that's what the scripture is saying. Now, here's what you got to understand. I don't believe that the scripture is making man over woman. Uh, and I don't believe that it's a woman's job just to submit to. There is a, there is a, there's beauty in submission to one another. Okay, now in scripture, you need to understand that we're all the bride of Christ. And it is first the man's responsibility to learn the concept of submission. But if a woman is not careful, she'll dress the outwardly, just like men and all of us will play church. Oh, everything's great, wonderful, praise the Lord. But you ain't met with the Lord. What happens when you meet with the Lord is you learn how to submit. You learn how to surrender. You learn how to give up your strength to him for his. You physically put yourself in a situation like this verse says that a woman will trust the Lord and submit to her husband. I have to learn to meet with Christ to trust in his plan. If I don't, I'm relying on mine. That's bad. It's bad that we can continue to follow the Lord without ever actually having to meet with him to figure out what he wants. We have to submit ourselves one to another. This is our biblical responsibility is to learn how to submit to the Lord. If we don't get that, you've missed the whole gospel. Because I, I really believe what I see is the church adding Jesus to our life. That we have pre-planned prepaid for, know where we're going, and this is why we're dysfunctional and we're hiding all the yuck that's going on on the inside. When I meet with Jesus, I know that he's stronger than me, wiser than me. He can provide more money than me. He is good, and I know I'm not. Does that make sense? Pearl of great price. This guy sold everything. I'm talking about fool's gold. I think the foolish thing is when we just keep adorning ourselves and wondering why this pearl isn't working. Uh, because it's not about me now. It's recognizing that he is worth everything in my life. He is worth total surrender. And we're going to have to learn to trust the Lord. And when you surrender, let me make sure that... Um, all right, hold on, I'm sorry. 
sometimes I'm in a sermon and I feel like God is saying something like prophetically. I, I truly believe that the absence of peace in our life comes from us trying to control our agenda. When you learn to surrender and trust the Lord, you will experience the peace that passes understanding. I'm going to keep going. So what are the benefits that are supposed to come with someone who has purchased the pearl of great price or has this they know if you know Jesus, what are the benefits that you're supposed to possess? I think you're, he provides you with wisdom. Now the first step of this is you're going to have to meet with him and realize that you are not wise. But I am so thankful that when I don't know what to do, I have an unfair advantage than this world. They've got no choice but to try to figure it out themselves. And I have an advantage that when I'm scared and I don't know, I can call on Jesus who knows that I don't know and wants to sh tell me what is good for me. Does that make sense? He provides you with wisdom. He's going to provide you with strength. I love that I love that I love that when I know that I just can't go on anymore, I call on the Lord and in my weakness, he has made, it's okay to be weak. The exchange really wasn't fair. What I gave the Lord, I gave him my ashes and he gave me his beauty. I gave him my sin and he gave me righteousness. The exchange wasn't fair. What I actually bought my faith with, I gave him me. He gave me him. I'm thinking of other things that should be an example in a fruit in your life. Peace. Man, I didn't trust in the Lord because I had boards on my windows or because my bank account was full when the hurricane came. I had peace because I knew that he was with me, regardless of how bad the storm was going to get. For those that were in Naples, the believers there still had peace. What else does, should be a benefit? I, I'm saying he provides wisdom. He provides strength. He provides uh, uh, leadership, he, he, he prov and he just provides. It's crazy how this week how many testimonies have come in about people who God blessed them when they didn't have the resources that they needed. Like, like people crying and in tears because I didn't have and I need it and God came through. I want you to know he is Jehovah Jireh. And I hope that there is a day when you don't have the resources to pay for what you need God to do and you just uh, see it, man. But I can remember back when I was in college and I was working two jobs and I didn't have the money to buy groceries and groceries ended up on my doorstep. And it's, it's beautiful because this is who he is. He provides grace, meaning you simply don't deserve what he's giving you. And the last thing I just want to say on, 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 on the benefits that you should be experiencing when you know that you have this in your life, Jesus, this is just an example, is, is he provides the example. What I love is that what he's telling me to do and what he's telling you to do in your life right now, he did first. He's often telling you to be bold He's often telling you to not be afraid. He's, also, he's often telling you to walk in faith. He's often telling you to humble yourself. He's often telling you to sacrifice. He's often telling you to not give up. But all of these things I can see by Christ's love for me on the cross. Everything he's telling me to do, he's already done for me and he set the example. So how do I possess these things? You know what the hardest, I, I think is harder for people that have been, it's a disadvantage to some believers that have been believers for 20, 30, 40 years. It's hard for some of us. I've been a believer now for 22 years of my life. Because we forget 
the simplicity of the gospel to just let go of everything and cling to God. So listen to something that is just truthful. David said it in the Psalms. David is a mighty man of God. He's a mighty man of worship. He's a mighty, I mean, he danced before the Lord, but this is also a manly man. So when I think about David and the worshiper that he is, I think he sounds kind of girly, but this is the dude that like would have destroyed Brock Lesnar, right? He beat Goliath, like, right? I mean, and he said this in Psalm 1611, you make known to me the path of life and you will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. You will make known to me the path of life. And I love that he is showing you the way right now. My sheep know my voice and they follow me. He'll make his paths known to you. But I love this passage about joy. You'll fill me with joy in your presence. Believers, let me make sure that we understand what is most critical of us. You need to meet with Jesus. It's in his presence you'll learn how to trust him. It's in his presence you'll learn how to surrender. It's in his presence that you'll humble yourself and he'll reveal his wisdom, direction, and his strength. But if you don't, hmm, I'm sorry. Maybe I'm going long. I've got a few more points to go, but I can't get off this. If you don't meet with Jesus, you don't have a relationship with him. So I'm thankful that like we attend church on Sundays, but this is the definition of a mistress. Someone that we just meet with to fill our needs once in a while. And Christ has to be the Lord in the center of our life and everything else goes. If we're not with Christ, the American church just wants to add God to everything that we're doing. I'll add God to my family. and No, no, no. Everything revolves around him. He is the Lord and there is no other. He directs our steps and our plans. I'm grateful that we have faith in Jesus, but let's make sure that we know now everything in life is about him. And that's when we know peace and joy, when we know peace and joy. Two more points. Um, I think about like when someone has bought something that is crazy expensive, how little they want to share it. I'm thankful for the Lord teaching me to share. Um, I don't know why, but he blessed me with an ability to not care about stuff. I just want to share things. I really do. I do think it is... um, it takes time to learn how the, the act of giving. Not all of us possess this gift and this ability to be generous. But it is so wonderful when we recognize that what he has given us is good for everyone else. This week, I, I said this a couple seconds ago, I mean, so many stories came in of God blessing people over and over and over and over and over again. People's car breaking down and someone giving them money to fix the car and then someone else saying, don't worry, I'll fix it for free and you can keep the money. Again and again and again, I believe that something happens when we learn how to give. It's a heart of the cross for God so loved the world that he gave. And when you hold on to something, God can't bless you. It's like you won't let go of what's in your hand, and so it's harder for him to put money in your hand. But as I'm talking about finances, I do believe that giving is something that is good for us to learn how to give the valuable things away that he has given to us. But I've seen it in our church, so I'm proud of you for it. But here's my thing. What was the last time you shared your story of your pearl? When was the last time you just told someone that God is good and what he's done in your life? Do you realize how many people in your life are searching for a pearl? How many people need to know where your strength comes from? where your joy comes from or where your hope comes from. I remember when Jesus said that if you're ashamed of me in the day of Christ, I'll be ashamed of you. And I just want to get really good at telling people that I love him. 
I don't know why, Rico, but it reminds me of you. I remember when I was like 16 and I would hear a new track, a new song. And it was like, as soon as I heard the new song, I wanted to share it. I had to get those little cassette tapes back in the day. Remember? I'm old. I know. But I would want other people to come over and listen to this song. This is really good. This is the way we, we, we before there were iTunes and all this other stuff, you know. But I, what I know, I want you to know, and I want you to experience, and I want your friends to experience. And if you found the pearl, share that pearl. It wasn't just for you, it's for us to give away. Last thing, and I'm done. This feels like a boring sermon in the second service, and I don't know why, but I feel, I know that I know that I know that these are truth bombs that, like, we need to know. I, we cannot allow ourselves as believers of Jesus to think that we have the pearl of great price and it's not working for me. Like, why, where's the power at? Encounter him first. Get this stuff in your life, but make sure that everything is willing to go in your life. I'm not going to point four until I say this. Sorry, your pastor's rambling right now. I think of that movie, anyone remember, there was years ago, there was a movie uh, by Steve Martin called The Jerk. And at the end of the movie, he's broken because he knows he's about to lose everything. And he feels like if all he had in his life was his chair and his paddleboard and his ashtray and like, he's like in this lamp and his, and his dog that doesn't like him. And he's, he's clinging on to things. I feel like this is the example of, of us fighting to hold on to things that God is trying to let go of. Let me make sure that we define to come to Christ, we give up everything, and he enriches our life. And for some of you, he's going to bless with a significant other. And then it's you and that person and nothing else. And for some of you, he's going to call you into ministry or call you into a career. And when God puts a calling on your life, it's important that you protect that calling and the hobbies and the habits and the added stuff don't get in the way. We are getting really good at learning statistics and fashion, and hobbies, and stuff, when we've really got to figure out how to abandon those things to draw closer. Because we are filling our lives with stuff that don't matter, and selling our pearl for a whole bunch of worthless crap that we can't even manage to begin with. First, my fourth point today is this, that in trying to pursue the great pearl of price, I realized that um, while he is my pearl, I am his. To be loved by God is really um, humbling because he knows who I am and he knows who you are. I think of it this way in John 17 verse 9 he says Jesus is about to die and he's about to go to the cross the next day and he's praying for his believers and he says I pray for them I'm not praying for the world but for those that you've given me for they are all yours let me stop there make sure you hear this it's cool that Jesus has an ability to recognize surrender everything I have is yours father I'm praying for those you've given me, but they're yours. All that I have is yours, he says, and all you have is mine. But the glory has come to me through them. I think of in the day of Christ that Jesus will be honored not because of what he's done, but because of who he receives. We're his prized possession, the scripture says, his purchased prized possession. In Isaiah, the scripture says that your walls are always before me and I inscribed your name on the palm of my hands. I'm still trying to learn how to give up the things that I care about in my life to put Christ first, but I only know that because he gave up everything in his life to get me. In your life right now, some of you are really struggling. Some of you are going through a hard time. Some of you are having the best time of your life right now. 
I need you to know that the Lord is crazy about you and that the things that matter to you matter to him. And he's trying to teach you to trust him. He is good and that he is good to you and that he loves you and that when he was on the cross, you were on his mind. And the only thing that matters to him is you. He wants you, not your stuff. He wants you. And he's trying to bring you to a place where you'll trust him so he can release his Holy Spirit in your life. Would you all do me a favor and close your eyes and bow your heads for a few moments? I believe that God, that the presence of God is here. And I believe that God is trying to move and heal and bring breakthrough. Some, God's trying to move in your life for the first time and some he's trying to bring you back to him in a real way. But this story about a man that sold everything in his life that he would buy that pearl, I think it's important that we don't come to Christ trying to add him to our life, but will we give our life to him? Church, the only way to serve the Lord is to surrender. Surrender you to die to yourself and allow him to fully live and accomplish his will through your life. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want you to know that God loves you. He loves you just the way you are today. He's crazy about you. He would give up everything to have a relationship with you. If you're here today and you know that you're not right with God, there are things in your life that you're hanging on to. And today, by the power of the Holy Spirit, the Lord is talking to you and he's trying to get you to let go. I believe that this is one of the greatest moments of your life. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you, and you say, Pastor, today I want to come back to God, would you raise your hand right now? God bless you, and 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 God bless you. There's nothing more important that we do this week. We're waiting for you. Is there anyone else? Man, this is powerful. Jesus. Under your breath, would you say this prayer with me, dear Jesus? Forgive me. I'm sorry, God. I've made life about me. I give up. I ask that you'd move in my life. Teach me to love you. Teach me to trust you. Teach me to enjoy you. Teach me to see life the way you want me to see it. I give you my life today. You wash me of my sin. Jesus, would you give me your Holy Spirit? Come, have your way in me. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, I, um, first of all, I'm honored to, to be your pastor. And I want you to know that, like, as your staff, like, we take, it's seriously modeling like a life of surrender. But I hold you to the same standard that you hold me to. I just hold you to the standard of the word of God. Like, let's live for Jesus. There's a world out there that's dying and without hope. And they're trying to do everything they can to just fumble through the process. Um, we're going to have some people down front after service. And we want to pray for you. Actually, Deb, can, I just don't want to leave yet. Deb, are you here? She's not. Matt, would you come? Yeah, he loves it when I do this to him. I just feel like the Holy Spirit's still here. Are you guys okay? Jesus. We have a lot to be thankful for right now. And so... Um, I don't necessarily need music as much as we need to just create an atmosphere where we're thankful. For many of us, 
you saw the hand of God protecting you this weekend and you're extremely thankful. So I just, right now, Lord, we celebrate you. Lord, we love you. I thank you for my health. I thank you for my, my friends, my loved ones. I thank you for my church. I thank you that you've revealed your love to me. I thank you for your goodness and your mercy. Church, I, I want you to just, just pray right now. Sometimes all we know how to do is sing. I wonder if you can just thank the Lord for a couple minutes. I'm so thankful that I know you, God. I'm so thankful that I know that you're with me. I'm so thankful that I understand your promise. I'm so thankful that you haven't given up on me. I'm so thankful, God, that you woke me up this morning. I'm so thankful to know you. You are the best part of my life. Lord, I want to know you more. I want to know you. I want to know your voice. I want to know your will for me. I want to be better at laying my life down. God, I want to surrender myself to you. Lord, have your way in my finances. Whatever you want, God, you can have it. Have your way at our jobs right now. All across, God, there's situations going on at work. God, we surrender these things to you, Lord, you know. You know the dreams and the thoughts that we have and the places we want to be. We surrender those things to you right now. We want your will in our life. Have your way. God, you have been good. Thank you, God, for your goodness. We thank you, God, for your goodness. We thank you, God, for your goodness. We thank you, God, for your goodness. For your salvation and your deliverance. God, there is freedom inside freedom that we need. Many of us are struggling with anxiety or unforgiveness or depression or hopelessness or despair. God, and we give those things to you. Some of us feel stuck in a relationship right now. We break that off. We, so we, lay, we give it to you. I trust you, God. I trust that you're moving in my life. I trust that you love me more than I even love you. I know it because of the cross. I know it because of your resurrection. I know it because of your goodness. I know it because of your faithfulness, God. I thank you that you're not giving up. You're not giving up. You're not giving up. And we just wait on you, God. All across this room, would some of you just begin to lift your hands? This is a sign of surrender, God. I, I, I want you to move in my life. I want to know you. I want you to move in my life. I want to know you. I want you to move in my life, God. The Bible says that God inhabits the praises of his people. So when we begin to praise him, his spirit invades that space. And I just am challenging you right now. Man, we're not done yet. All right, all right, church. Come on, here we go. We're going to turn this thing up. Everyone, I'm going to count to five, and I just want everyone to begin thanking God for your health and your house and your home, and just begin to think of all the things that you're grateful that God's doing in your life. But I want you to say it out loud. Use your voice. You don't have to yell it. You can whisper it, but I want you to use your voice. On the count of five, the whole church is going to begin thanking God for his goodness in their life. One, two, we're all doing it. Three, four, five. Come on, church, use your voice. Begin to thank God right now. I thank you for this church. I thank you for what it means to my family. I thank you, God, that you have been here and you're moving in my kids' life. I thank you, God, when I see my children respond to your spirit. I thank you, God, for what this does for the lost. I thank you, God, that you have made a space in America for the lost to hear the gospel. I thank you, oh God, that you are moving in marriages right now, God. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are here in this room right now. I thank you that you are with us, that you would not leave us nor forsake us, Lord Jesus. I thank you that you love us. I thank you that you have not given up on me. I thank you, oh God, that when I was unfaithful, you are faithful. I thank you, oh God, that when I 
I was unfaithful, you were good to me, God. That you loved me even when I was a sinner, God. When I was in sin, God. When I was selfish, you still were selfless, God. That you were humble and lift me up, God. I thank you that you're lifting me up out of situations, God. I thank you that today is a new day. I thank you, oh God, that you are pulling us out of the miry clay, God. That you are moving in our lives. I thank you, O oh God, that you, we are led by the Spirit of God. I thank you, O oh God, for visitations. I thank you for encounters. God, I thank you that you are not dead, that you are alive, and that you're moving in your church, and that you're moving in your people, and that you're cleansing, and that you're washing, and that you're renewing, and you're strengthening, and you're empowering even right now. someone has a dream or someone has a vision or someone has a word right now I'm not going to move off it hey we're just going to wait here we're... the most important thing that happens in, in, in our lives today is that God moves in our life Jesus. This ain't a show. We're just waiting on the Lord. Hold on to, there's nothing I 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 hold on to. There's nothing I hold on to. Men, we need to wake up. We need to wake up. We need to wake up. Because the enemy is coming for your family. He's coming for you. He just wants to cause division. And separate you from his love. We need to open our eyes. Of our hearts. And focus on him. Whatever your problems are. Stop focusing on fixing the problem. Focus on Jesus. And that's how your problems get resolved. Let him peel back your onion. It's okay. It's okay. Okay, to not be okay because you can bring it to him stop trying to fix all your problems on your own like Tim is talking about because we're not going to do it on our own we're not going to do it men love your wives date your wives pursue your wives go after them go after them hard because somebody else is willing to replace you do you understand we love you I love you every single one of you in here. It's time to rise up, get in better shape physically, spiritually, and mentally. Would you pray over us, Heavenly Father, I just thank you for our life. I thank you for the sunshine hitting our face in the morning. I thank you for that warm cup of coffee in the morning. I thank you for my wife, for my children, and just... I pray for you break complacency upon us, Father God. Just, just break that spirit of being complacent. And Father God, just, we need to pursue you. We just get so comfortable being Americans that we just we get so comfortable in our couches. And we try to protect everything that's not valuable while we're losing our families. Father God, I pray our focus in the church goes to you. 
And I pray against, I don't know why, the spirit of infidelity in this church. I don't know what's going on, but I feel like the enemy is just trying to bring things in that you don't need that's just going to destroy you more than you can ever imagine. And I pray that it's broken right now in Jesus' name. Just broken right now in Jesus' name. Pursue your wives. Pursue your children. Get to know them more. I'm, I'm failing in that, in that department as well. I'm saying this because I need it as well. Focus on Him and not yourself. It will all be good. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus. I still want to be in a hurry. Um, nothing I hold on to. That verse earlier about First Peter, women submit to your husbands, and men learn to surrender to the Lord. I feel like this is all like we're all surrendering, we're all submitting, we're all asking for wisdom, we're all trusting. We're trusting, or your Lord, we're trusting you. What deficiency in your life do you need God to fulfill? Will you trust him with it? That's when the power of God comes. Let go of your strength. Let go of your strength. Let go of your strength. Let go of your wisdom. Let go of your pride.